Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome, everyone, to Rocket Nation Podcast. Uh, this is a new episode of the Dive Cuts. Dive Cuts featuring your host, me, Sam Snelling, and the trusty sidekick, one Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, in, the, in the Bassett bunker going into what I think is now like week two or three of quarantine, they've all, uh, or social distancing, they've all bleed, bled together now. I'm not sure uh, what day of the week it is, or really, uh, like, it's Perpetual Sunday. That's what we're calling it around our house. It's just Perpetual Sunday. Feels like, like the a only, weekend. I was going to say, the only, like, saving grace at this point is that, like, there are days of the week where you have to show up and work, uh, even if you're doing it from your home. <laughs> and so, like, that process of, like, getting up and... and carting around a computer for you know eight or nine hours like that's the only thing that tells me that it is a work day versus a weekend um today, yeah today was different because we uh we were sending a a large project to a printer and i had to like basically be on call if they had any questions so i clean out the calendar for that and, uh it was just sitting at my desk in the home office for eight hours praying that they didn't call but also kind of wanting them to call because it was there was nothing else on the agenda to do so it was it was a weird day it was a weird wednesday if that's what day it actually is 
Yeah, we also, uh, my job uh, pays us weekly, so I get a, a weekly check, which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, that uh, that happens every Thursday, and so that's like the only other thing that sort of helps me understand like what day it is, is, oh, I got paid today, so it's Thursday, which means tomorrow's Friday. Uh, it has been uh, strange to kind of go through this uh, this process. So you, you've been working from home uh, the last couple weeks. Yep. About uh, this is our third week. Third week uh, working remotely. Yeah. So same here. I am on week three, um, and it is. Uh, it's. It, I'm actually. We were kind of joking today with uh, with my wife about how the. <laughs> Uh, like, what are the dogs gonna do? Like, once things kind of normalize and, and we both go back to a routine where we leave for most of the day, like they're used to spending a fair amount of time, you know, outside when they want to go outside, and uh, it's gonna be a, a, a tough adjustment, I think, for the for the pooches. Um, but uh, any other uh, uh, tales of confinement that you feel we should impart? I know I no. spent a lot of money at Juniper the other day. Yeah, thank God your paycheck cleared today because uh, bills came due for you in uh, the brown liquor <laughs> department. Uh, no, other than, uh, as we said last time, I hope uh, our pod is a good distraction for people. Um, this is uh, not a fun time by any stretch, uh, and we're getting ready, uh, based on what every public health expert says, is going to be uh, kind of the uh, the bumpiest part of the ride you know in a very inelegant way of putting it um so hopefully um this is a nice mild distraction for people and uh you know we hope everybody out there is uh, doing pretty well so i just wanted to get that out of the way pretty early well and it is a, a little bit of a weird um off season you know mainly there's no other kind of sports to kind of fill that uh, basketball offseason void, or if you're just a Mizzou sports fan in general, um, you know, there's like, there's no spring football happening. Uh, spring sports been canceled. So there's really nothing to kind of occupy that entire vacuum of space. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so having us kind of in offseason mode where we are kind of hitting a podcast every other week. Um, the before the box score guys are going every other week on alternating weeks with us. I think that's kind of worked out. But uh, we have some, at least some kind of news. Like Mizzou basketball is is trying to kind of pretend like there's some sense of normalcy and that uh, they had three of the players uh, from the roster um, sort of announce that they're going to test the NBA waters. Uh, I think the press release used language that made it seem like all three would very likely be returning. Um, but those three, Jeremiah Tillman, uh, Xavier Pinson, and Mitchell Smith. So I'm not sure that those were the three players. That if, you, if you would have asked me who was going to test the waters, I probably would have guessed Tillman and Pinson. Uh but I don't know that Mitchell Smith would have jumped off the page for me as somebody who I expected to be testing the NBA waters. Uh, that's not the Smith I would have expected. I would have thought um, coming into the year, Drew Smith was kind of like an indie uh, draft nick kind of like 
prospect. There were a lot of guys on NBA draft Twitter who were like mildly intrigued with Drew because like us, they saw just his bunker synergy numbers at uh, Evansville and like us really liked his tape and were kind of curious how he would translate and, uh, you know, Drew though, deciding to uh, not test the waters. I mean, that's good news. I mean, at least you're going to have one stable ball handler back. Um, but yeah, Mitchell Smith was was certainly a surprise to see me throw his name in into the hopper uh, to at least get evaluated and to at least try and go through the process. Well, so there, I guess there's, I mean, Mitch is tall, uh, and you know he is sort of like that prototypical. Um, I don't know if he's prototypical or not, but he certainly you know fits the bill of a guy with his. Uh, size and build and ability to move as, as maybe a guy who can um, catch a few minutes here and there off the bench as a guy who can stretch the floor. And I, I've been hesitate hesitant to say that phrase because um, Mitch has certainly not shot the ball well. Uh, but I think that, you know, a case could be made that that uh, certainly he's a guy who's capable of, of making shots from outside and um, n- not what I would necessarily consider a feared shooter, but I think, you know, with a lot of guys, when you turn professional uh, and you're able to basically make basketball your job, uh, you know, they're more, a lot more likely to improve. And and I, I think Mitch kind of fits that bill. So uh, I, I certainly don't think he's anybody who fits into the NBA mold at the moment. Um, but I, I could see him maybe catching on somewhere in the G League. He certainly bought into uh, doing a lot of the little things, um, you know, and in playing defense. And, uh, and you yeah, know, maybe that's enough to kind of intrigue a couple NBA teams with, uh, with his, his sort of combination of size and, and ability to move. Uh, you know, I think he is capable of kind of defending multiple positions. Um, he would obviously struggle, I think, with, with NBA you know, post players like I just can't even imagine him trying to guard somebody like Stephen Adams or, uh, or shoot like Giannis with his combination of strength and athleticism. But uh, I think he could probably challenge a few wings and stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe there's enough intrigue there. Did, did I just talk you into it? No. Uh, <laughs> it's it was a valiant effort. And this is not to disparage Mitchell Smith because I you know I think you and I wrote in his player review piece that like he does what you know he sort of typifies you know what Missouri's defensive principles are which are you know understanding the scout you know switching cleanly being on time on rotations you know being able to you know switch cleanly he does a lot of those things really well and I think he can there are nights when he really can switch kind of one through four, but you know, it, it. I think if you put him against NBA athletes night in and night out, I think th- that's going to kind of the margin for error gets narrower. And, you know, a defensive specialist, you know, can work in a certain sense, but you know, even Tony Allen, like the guy who's considered like the prototypical one, the guys wouldn't even guard him on offense was a, pretty good player at Oklahoma State, but he got to the NBA and realized that defense, the defense was going to be his calling card. You know, he was a pretty good offensive player in college and, you know, got to the next level and, you know, realized to 
get a check, he was going to have to be able to clamp down defender. And so it's just, I guess that's my question is, you know, there are lots of athletic guys who are more productive offensively and kind of those bigger, longer kind of builds the way Mitch is, you know, so it's just really hard to see, you know, where his market is at this point. And on a two-way deal, you know, I'd be curious to know what a front office is going to, you know, see in him when you like look at the production on the floor and you look at kind of where he fits into Missouri's offense. He hasn't been especially good or finishing around the rim with his size, even if it's been on like cuts, it uh, doesn't really create his own offense off the bounce. Um, and like you said, the jump shooting this year kind of, you know, ebbed, you know, that's putting it politely. So it's just, it's hard for me to like envision. I'll put it this way. If you're in Mitch's position, you have to do two things really, really well at a really, really high level to justify a team, you know, taking a flyer on you and whether they want to put you in a developmental spot in the G League or put you on the active roster. And it's just, it's hard for me to see right now what Mitch does at a really, really, really elite level that is going to warrant him, you know, landing a spot there. Now, by all means, go get feedback because I think the feedback process is really, really good because he, that response will be unsparing and I think it'll be good for him if he were to get into workouts to really sort of go through that and experience it and kind of see where he is. Because even if he doesn't go play in the NBA, at least he'll have a better sense of what he has to do to develop professionally so he can maybe go play abroad and, you know, playing in, in Europe or playing in Asia now, is still you can still make a good living off of that. So if the goal is just to get some feedback and get a sense for what he's got to do to make this a career after a senior season, that's fine. And also I think it's worthwhile exploring the draft from this perspective is that, you know, he's a fourth year junior, you know, he'll be close to, he should be close to wrapping up his education or he could be close to finishing up school. So if you want to go now and you're in a position academically to finish, what's the harm? You've already, you know, maxed out your scholarship here. And, you know, maybe starting a professional career is not the worst thing in the world. So that that would be my kind of hope is that he gets enough feedback to either better his spot, you know, when he goes out after next season or, you know, he gets enough feedback. So if he does want to go now and just sort of start his career, he'll at least have a sense of where he fits in the market. So, uh, but, you know, the one I've always worried more about going was Tillman because I think, you know, the mark, and I think I wrote this, the market for him and big guys is not getting any better. So if you're Tillman and you feel like, you know, you're not going to maximize your, you know, your value next season, why not jump now? So out of the three, I feel like Tillman's obviously the one who would be most likely to stick in the draft or stick in the process and see where he winds up. Yeah. And I would say I was uh, mildly um, surprised to see Pinson um, and uh, and now it's a very, very mild uh, surprise. I, I there's been some kind of rumors about uh, you know him and and sort of his focus and the people around him uh, and you know the focus is you know to try to get to the NBA and um and so you know I you're you're allowed to kind of test the waters and get the feedback and uh, and I certainly think that. You know, X has done things uh, to sort of 
you know, prove that maybe he's on a trajectory where he could kind of get get to that level, but I still think he's a, a a long way away from being an NBA player. Um you certainly got to get a lot more consistent around the rim. Um and for me, like I just don't think that a guy who is a questionable shooter uh, is going to be able to get by with his deficiency in size and sort of inability to defend. <laughs> uh, and I, like, I don't think he's not capable of defending. I, I certainly think he's uh, he's a guy who could be a better defender than he is. But I just don't think he's a a good defender. He often gets lost off the ball and uh, loses contact with his man, and um, very rarely does he seem to you know, fight to stay in front of guys. So I just don't see how that combination is something that's going to be attractive to NBA teams. And, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully like that's the kind of feedback that he gets and he is able to sort of reapply himself and, and take another step next year. Cause I, you know, I think he's got the talent in his body, even though his, you know, he has a bit of a, a slight frame. I think it, the potential exists that he could kind of, get to another level with his ability and 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 certainly uh i don't think him in the fit for the nba is one that is gonna that makes a lot of sense right now at least no i i think the what we're both saying is that we would expect pinson and smith to be back and to sort of try and incorporate that feedback in their off-season development um tillman i i think you know the case for him is like we've i think said before coming to the year is when we're sort of debating you know what his junior year would look like which is he has all the physical tools that you could see translating at you know at the professional level um good he's good in space he's got good agility soft hands um his feet are pretty good um his footwork around the basket's gotten a lot better in terms of post moves um the question is just what where's the market for a more traditional back to the basket big at this point. Um, you know, you've got to be hyper, hyper elite, like a Joel Embiid on the block. And even guys who are, you know, traditional bigs like a Brooke Lopez now, you know, the ho- Brooke Lopez only posts when teams go small to counteract the Bucks playing fast and getting in the open floor. And that's when he posts. So he's more of a situational big on the block. Other than that, he's spacing to a corner. So it's realistically. Where does Tillman kind of fit as a more traditional big in a game that's kind of moved away from that position? But all the physical tools are there for him to be a guy who could, you know, flesh out a role, you know, as a rim protector or a guy who could be kind of a good, you know, pick and roll partner for somebody if he can, you know, get that part of his game down. Um, And I think even abroad he'd find, you know, a a pretty good contract if he went to Europe and, and looked around over there. So, the question realistically is, you know, if the market's there, does Tillman decide to jump? Does he just say, you know, hey, I can't, a monster junior year is only going to, a monster senior season would only put me in the back end of the first round and maybe in the second round. Should I just go now, get a contract, get started, and, you know, really focus on this full time and, and start playing for an extension or for a second contract? So that, I think he's more intriguing as to what he decides to do. Because if a first-round slot's not there, then I think you really have to ask the question of, is now just the time to st- that I want to start my professional career and really make this what I want to do every day? So I- I'm, I think he'll be the one that's worth monitoring as, as we kind of go through this. 
Yeah, it's definitely like um, something where I, you know, I realize there's a lot of people that, that maybe, you know, downplay, uh, you know, certain guys, certain guys' potential to, you know, get to that level. But there's also, and and this is why, you know, I would never write off anybody leaving uh, for professional opportunity because, like, even and I think X and and Mitch kind of fall in this category. They may decide that. Uh, they're not interested anymore in playing college basketball. And I think this is one of those things that um, I think the NCAA is really going to have to address is the number of players who are making a decision, even though they're not NBA level, understanding that they're not NBA level, but they also are have been told by a lot of people uh, you know, in their camp and, you know, friends, family, coaches, scouts, all that kind of stuff that the the best opportunity for them uh, may be after their sophomore year in college uh, to just go ahead and, and turn pro because you may not ever be an NBA player. But with the restrictions that the NCAA puts on, the amount of contact that you have with coaches um, and the amount of development that you can do with, you know, these professional coaching staffs, there's a lot to be said for simply becoming a professional and that you can devote your life to playing basketball and becoming the best basketball player that you can be. Um, and I think that there's enough, uh, you know, leagues around the world that even if you don't catch on in, um, you know, and some of the top leagues there, you know, are, are second tier, third tier leagues all around the world where you can play uh, and earn a paycheck. And then you're, you're a professional. And, you know, you're not playing for the Golden State Warriors and earning $30 million, but you're earning a living uh, and you're doing so in a time where the amount of time you can earn a living doing that thing uh, is is certainly it's it's on a on a clock. I mean, there's only so much time you're going to be able to do that, um, you know. And, and so it wouldn't entirely surprise me to see any one of these three guys sort of decide. It would surprise me a little bit to see Mitch, honestly, <laughs> just because I you know I think Mitch has really enjoyed uh, his experience at Missouri and. And he seems to be completely kind of bought in, um, you know, to what Coach Martin wants and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, both the other guys are kind of in that mode where, you know, it may just be time to start earning a check, whether it's in, you know, the G League or, you know, somewhere overseas um, and just start making money doing doing what they want to do. Yeah. And, you know, that's... And we also, you know, don't know all the financial pressures or kind of demands that some of these guys face too. Uh, I think that that's always something to be kind of counted in there as well as, you know, if you have the opportunity, even if it's not an NBA salary, but to be a a guy who can really use the talent that you have to advance your family's financial station, if it's you know, in a second tier European league, or if it's going to Asia, if it's going, if it's getting to a place where you can make, you know, a comfortable salary playing basketball and you can be in a position to maybe help your family to a certain degree, 
you'll do that. And so I always think that that has to be accounted for this too, is, you know, the ability to sort of address those situations is different for everybody. And like you said, I, if somebody had said to me that, you know, Matt, you could make, you know, 200,000, you can make six figures, you know, at age 20, doing what you like to do, you know, writing, but you will have to skip college to do that. I absolutely would have done it. Like it, it's, it becomes a question of, you know, where's the, you know, when does the opportunity cost, you know, become so great that you can't ignore it. And I think I wrote a couple of years ago, like the median, like, uh, you know, kind of revenue generated by a, a, co- a player in college, you know, at all levels is about 800,000. That's the rough difference between lifetime earnings between somebody who has a high school diploma and somebody who has a college diploma. And so really that's the question. Like if you could leave college two years early, but if you're a kid like Jeremiah Tillman, you can go to Europe and make a solid, you know, six figure salary playing over there for a couple of years. And if you have an agent who's smart and gets your money situated correctly, you've made up the windfall in your life of the difference between having a college diploma and not having one. You've gotten to play basketball. You've gotten to be a professional, you know, in, in aggregate and when you take the long-term view and you don't do hyperbolic discounting, like that's, that's a good play. And so I really think that's the way I would look at it is, is this decision going to potentially put me in a position where no, like you said, I won't earn a $30 million deal, but if I can play professionally for five to six years and make really solid money, that is still going to position me well to have some financial stability moving forward. So you know, we'll see what they decide to do. Um, we'll, you know, I'm never going to say a guy made a mistake because it's not my life and it's not my place to say that. It's just, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they each kind of respectively decide to do. In the meantime, um, in order for those guys to make a decision, it also means that um, the coaching staff and uh everyone at Missouri uh, needs to figure out what those guys are going to do and, and how they would adjust uh, to sort of coincide with any of those decisions. Um, we tend to kind of think that uh, the roster turnover with uh, that happened after, you know, Trey Jackson decided to transfer uh, is not the only uh, roster turnover that is probably going to happen. Uh, the main, um, I guess target main target is uh, Justin Turner from Bowling Green. You wrote about him today after talking to him over the weekend, um, and then it turns out that Missouri has actually made like the top group for Jalen Harris, the point guard who uh, grad transferred out of Arkansas. Um, I was a little surprised to see them on the list for Harris. Uh, I think on the list of uh, things you don't necessarily need a uh, point guard who can't shoot isn't really at the top of that list. Um, but uh, you know, maybe they have the better information from, from Pinson who may be more seriously considering, you know, turning professionally uh, and might be in pursuit of somebody who can kind of replace some of those minutes. Um, but yeah, so those are the two guys that we kind of know that they've, um, at least gotten more involved with uh, any takes on on well let's start with uh, with Harris um, Jalen Harris any takes on Jalen I mean he had a good season uh, 
two years ago, uh, 5.5 assists per game. Not a huge score, but that wasn't really his game. The question was, could he cut his turnovers down? Because he had a pretty good assist rate. I think he had like a 30% assist rate. Um, graded out well defensively. Uh, so if this was two years ago, I would have said, this isn't a bad pickup for a reserve point guard you know, to play behind Drew. And so really the question is, is he closer to the guy he was two years ago, or was he the guy this year who his assist rate fell from like 30.4 to 17.3, his defensive rating slid, I think, like something like 14 points per 100 possessions. Um, he's never been a great shooter, um, so when you look at the offensive rating, like the shoot, the poor shooting is going to drive that. Um, but that's not been his game. His game has been to facilitate and kind of set guys up and – Know, get the ball to Isaiah Jones or Mason Jones or two years ago to, you know, hit, you know, Bobby Portis rolling to the rim. So if if that's what you're getting, if you're getting a guy whose sole job is to act as a setup man and kind of be a backup point guard to come in and spe- and let Drew rest, which he didn't get to do a lot of this year, I could see it. You know, that's me making the optimistic case, which is if you're just looking for a guy who can be a steady set of hands, who can come in, run the offense, make smart reads, you know, occasionally, you know, capitalize on a drive to the bucket, get out and transition and get a layup, then, yeah, I think it could work. If, the, if that's the expectation and if that's what everyone's clear on coming in, then I don't think it would be a bad addition. He's got two years of SEC experience, knows the league, um, knows what it means to, you know, kind of be a practice player at this level and be prepared. So if the role is clear and, uh, you know, he can bounce back a little bit, you could you could see it being a solid you know way to shore up some depth, especially if, especially if Pinson decides, yeah, I want to go the professional route, because um, Drew it would mean that Drew's far and away your starting point guard, but to have a guy who was an SEC player and backing you know who's played substantial minutes in this league as a reserve, that that's not a terrible thing. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are, but that that's kind of just where my head comes down. Yeah, I also think that um, we can just say that his uh, his dip in um, in production overall was completely uh, the fault of Eric Musselman, and nothing else can be applied towards that. It's all Eric Musselman's fault. Yeah, just just arrives in Fayetteville, wants to bring in all these. You know, transfers, grad transfers. I'm pretty sure Arkansas has contacted every transfer. If Arkansas or Nebraska doesn't call you, did you really transfer? <laughs> did you? I like I, I I think it'd be interesting if you just went through uh like went through every single player that transferred from and we'll say like what like mid-major on up probably not i'm pretty sure they didn't reach out to every low major guy they reached out to the the kid from northridge who just transferred the 5-8 point guard although must have said like they they make it a policy to like try and reach out and touch base with a lot of guys now they will then go back and like do their review and you know but if your base policy is to like call everybody and just touch base with everybody, you know, Musk can at least, you know, sell that he's had a good track record there. So maybe, you know, there's an opportunity, you know, you, 
if you don't if you're not chasing leads you're not going to make a sale so i think that that's sort of their mentality um but they got a they got a decent pickup in Vance Jackson today, and they needed a four, they needed a big, you know they could have used Vance Jackson last year uh, when they didn't have a a big or a reliable big, but they've kind of addressed that part of the market. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to think who else at this point they haven't contacted, and it's it seems like everybody. If you if, if you're a top thirty transfer, you've heard from them and. They're in the final pool for uh, Justin Turner too. So, uh, although I, that'll be interesting to see what happens there, because if Isaiah Joe is back and uh, it, which would be just amazing if they can hold on to Joe, and they put Moses Moody alongside him, wing minutes are I think going to be uh, pretty well uh, divvied up down there in Fayetteville. So it'll be interesting to see kind of whether or not Turner decides that Arkansas is a good spot for him. So who knows? Yeah. Um, I think the, so I, I think of all the schools that are kind of on Turner's list, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued because I, he seems to kind of say a lot of the right things that you want to hear a guy say about Missouri. Um, and he seems to really kind of have a good relationship uh, that's, you know, built with Martin, I think, you know, this is one of those situations where, you know, the, the kinds of guys that Martin tends to connect with, and, and we've talked about this, like, he really does well with, with, you know, kids who have a good head on their shoulders that have kind of been through it. They, they, they know how it all works. Um, you know, he, he is not really a, the kind of guy that's going to um, be able to sort of fill kids heads with a lot of nonsense like that's just not what martin does and and that that i don't necessarily want to say that like i'm confident that this is gonna that you know turner's gonna land at missouri but i have to say that i feel probably as good about this situation with turner than i have with uh with a lot of recruits in like the last two or three years um I don't know. It, it, there's just something about the connection, um, and the, the, I think the thing that that is most intriguing to me uh, is, you know, when, when I kind of uh, brought him up, I think I sent you his information back in like January. I was kind of looking for guys that were going to be in year four who were from Michigan, <laughs> who had another year, right? So. The, for, so who are the like the players that are playing? And I saw that you know here's this guy he's kind of lit, lit it up at Bowling Green. Like Mac is a good good basketball conference, and he's he's scoring a lot of points there. Uh, he's sort of helped steadily improve the Bowling Green program. Um, so there's a lot to like about a, you know a guy like that. Uh, and I'm like, well, we always want to look at like the Michigan guys. You think Cornell Mann? I think the thing that I like a lot about this is that, you know, Cornell Mann has been involved, but but Martin has been the one who's steering the recruitment and and been the main guy in contact. Um, you know, Mann has a great reputation, a lot of contacts up in Michigan, um, but this has been kind of Martin from the beginning, and I think that might be what sort of puts them over the top, if it does. Yeah. Uh, when I actually asked him on Saturday, you know, 
Was there any contact when you know Man was recruiting you? Because I know uh, Man had a stopover at Oakland, but the interesting thing was that it was Sidney Washington uh, before Sidney Washington went to Michigan was his primary recruiter, and so he knows of Man, but Man hasn't recruited him exclusively there. Um, but yeah, this has been Barton kind of driving the the bus, and I. But I think it also makes sense, like you know, Turner said, you know, what I want to know is I want to make sure I have a good relationship with my head coach. You know, how's he plan to use me? You know, what's you know, what's the plan for development? You know, how do they, you know, see me, you know, fitting in? And, you know, what's the offense going to look like? And for a lot of time, a lot, for a lot of these guys, it's their second, it's obviously their second time going through the recruiting process. You know, they have a sense for what they're doing. They know what they want. You know, they've kind of experienced this already. You know, they're, you know, the things that might um, prove, uh, you know, enticing to a 18 year old kid or less for these guys. It's very, it's almost like a, it is a business transaction to a certain degree. Um, the one thing that I think will be, you know, and I sort of do is I look at, you know, where are spots being filled, like to, to kind of pick up your point about where, you know, how you feel confident about it. Like Xavier just took a six, three kind of wingish combo guard in Nate Johnson today. And they were trying to, I think, fill, one or two spots on the wing there. So does that impact anything? You know, does that take them off the board? If Arkansas's, you know, going to keep Isaiah Joe and have some more guards in the mix, you know, does that, you know, take them off the board? So I always think it's it's kind of interesting to go look and see what spots are available and see what minutes are available. Missouri has minutes to to spare on the wing at this point. And so I think that that's that's certainly worth mentioning is there's a clear need for his services. Um, and Missouri has been able to sell him on, look at how we've integrated transfers. You know, we brought in obviously Cassius Robertson for one year. Look at what we've done with Drew Smith, bringing him in and getting him kind of integrated into what we do. You know, look at Mark Smith. You know, we have a good, you know, for the most part with guys who we've gone out in the spring and, you know, recruited to this program, they've come in, they've been able to, acclimate well and have some success here and fit into what we do. So I think that's, that's going to be a, a big selling point as well as, you know, they've had some guys that have gone through this process and, you know, you know, played major roles, had their game sort of fit into what Missouri's tried to achieve. And I think you can make the same case for what Turner can bring to the table. Now, as I wrote, I think his game's a little different. Um, I don't know if Missouri is necessarily hunting or would have been hunting for a guy who can, who operates mostly in the mid range. But, you know, I think Turner's a guy who's adaptable enough and who has a good enough shooting stroke that he could kind of play out of spot ups a little bit. And if he shoots a decent percentage, you know, he's attacking the rim on closeouts and not out of pick and rolls. So maybe the schematic fits a little bit easier than we might think. Um, but, you know, I'm just interested to see kind of what spots fill up at other places on his list and how long, you know, he takes to make this decision too. I think that's, that's another variable that that's going to matter here because there, there are no on-campus visits now. Um, so he's going to have to make this decision without ever seeing campus, which means that relationship, I think if it is as good with Martin as anything else, may be something that carries a little more weight. Yeah. And I think like, that's a, a, a key part of this is, everything is just so thrown up into the air because of 
you know, COVID-19 and, and its impact on the country and, and athletics in general. There's just, there's not a lot of uh, wiggle room <laughs> in, in trying to sort of lure prospects. And, uh, you know, like it's, it's just, I know you think about somebody uh, like Will Wade having to like switch more to like an online payment system as opposed to just dropping uh, you know, the bag in person. And I think uh, everyone's just having to learn new ways of doing business. Um, and so for, for Martin, I think having that, uh, um, you know, that, that sort of laser-like focus on, on um, you know, persistence and, and recruiting uh, and sort of being on the guy will uh, hopefully kind of be the, the key that they need to sort of bring him in, um, you know, cause it certainly looked like, I, you know, we obviously they're still technically in the mix for Josh Christopher. I'm just really ready for that thing to be over. Um, you know, if he wants to come to Missouri, great. Uh, I'm just, I'm tired of talking about it. <laughs> like that is, I I'm thankful that like Cam Fletcher, uh, just, was like, you know what? It's August. I'm happy. I'm going to go to Lexington. Um, these like these spring recruitments are brutal. Um, you know, so Christopher, whether it's USC jumping in late, whether it's, it's Michigan. Yeah. I, I, I certainly am skeptical that Missouri is really seriously in the mix. And I think that the one thing that they need, uh, is, is they need a guy who can, who can score from the wing. And that was a serious deficiency for them last year. And uh, Turner seems to kind of fit that bill. So, and I, I certainly think it would, it would say a lot because if you, even if you look, um, you know, on, on all the, the sort of, you know, list all throughout, you know, college basketball, they all rank these guys, these grad transfers and, and pretty much in every list, like Turner is either like one or two or, or three at the worst. And, I mean, he's he's a top of the line grad transfer and a guy that is um, that is well thought of, and and so it would be a big win for Missouri, who certainly needs like some positive momentum going into next year. Yeah, and the way it, you know to sort of touch on and kind of link Harris and Turner together, you can see kind of what the formulation is, which is go out and get a top line wing scorer. Um, if they get Harris, you have insurance at the reserve spot and a backup ball handler. Um, they've, they've reportedly like touched base with some combo forwards, but nothing that I've seen to indicate that they've really gotten traction anywhere with any guys. Like I think they talked to a kid, uh, Isaiah White, who quickly committed to USC. They touched base with another guy who committed to Vermont today, um, which sounds funny, but Vermont's actually a really good program up there, uh, under John Brandon. They, uh, win a lot of games and dominate the America East. So that's not a bad landing spot as far as mid-majors go. Uh, if you're going from Northern Arizona to Vermont in the mid-major spectrum, that's an upgrade. Uh, but there are some guys out there. Uh, you know, I'm looking at my list right now. Chev uh, is Goodwin, a combo forward out of Wofford is on the, is on the list. There's a Brandon, there's Brandon Johnson out of Western Michigan who's sort of floating around out there. Um, but we haven't seen them, I think really get a ton of traction with any combo forwards to, to backfill the departure of uh, Trey Jackson. So just based on kind of what we've seen, I think 
the obvious priority is getting a wing scorer uh, and to try and find a guy who can sort of, you know, you know and when I, th- when I think of Turner, I sort of think of him as a guy that we thought Torrance Watson might be, which is a guy who, you know, could, who would be a solid three-point shooter, but could also play off the bounce, make some plays in the mid-range, occasionally get some good closeouts or some matchups or some switches that were good and drive the ball to the rim. You know, if Turner can be that kind of, you know, that kind of presence, then the lineup gets a little bit more stable. Um, you still have some questions at the combo forward position, but, you know, it, the the big hole here is on the wing. And it, if it's Christopher, who's a guy who plays in Trent, who's great in the open floor, who is a powerful driver, that's fine. If it's a guy like Turner, who's shown he can be smooth and polished and kind of score a little bit at all three levels, that's fine too. But that that's the clear need at this point. And everything else after that is just sort of about making sure that there's just some overall structural support behind it. But a good wing player is the pillar of what they need coming out of the spring. So uh, we'll see if they can close the deal with him. It'll certainly be... Uh... I think the the number one topic for Mizzou recruiting, I, I think, in the spring. Um, the other thing I think that'll be really interesting uh, is what sort of develops with the uh, you know the whole grassroots scene. We're so used to kind of having a spring period, more offers kind of going out, summer uh, period, more offers going out, trying to organize, getting guys on campus, um, you know, in the summer and then and then in the in the fall. And all that's being put on hold. Um, so one of the things I'm kind of curious to see is uh, with with so many guys that Missouri has been hunting that are in that kind of um, you know sub top fifty level players, uh, where the regional players are kind of um, have kind of taken note, you know. But a lot of those kids haven't gone national. They haven't quite. Uh, you know, I'm thinking kind of specifically of guys like maybe Kobe Bufkin um, and uh, Jaden Akins out of both out of Michigan um, to see whether those guys, you know, I think that the intrigue for us kind of coming into the grassroots season was to see if those guys could kind of go national to elevate their profiles um, and not being able to play as certain uh, certainly impacting that and and whether that plays a, a significant role and whether those guys um, and not those two in particular but the class of 2021 in particular uh, are more likely to you know maybe uh, commit earlier uh, or commit later because they're they're trying to sort of explore as many options as they can in a, a longer timeline uh, and not really you know getting their body of work, uh, in front of a lot of college coaches, so I, I think there's going to be a. This is a really, really interesting off season, and 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 how things are going to play out. I think we're all kind of in a holding pattern, um, a little bit now. But uh, but what is going to develop over the next, you know, three, four, five months is really, really going to be interesting. Yeah, they've and they were, and I think in a good position, coming into March to have, to tee up, you know, trying to make some progress with those Michigan guys, it was reported that uh, Kobe Bufkin was going to take a visit to Missouri. Uh, a, a scout or a source, I should say. Uh, well, a scout in Michigan told me that there was some word that uh, Julian Roper, uh, another really, really good kind of combo-ish guard wing 
was looking at taking a Missouri visit. Um, so that if they could have gotten both those guys on campus, that would have been basically the top four of the top guards in the state would have been on campus uh, going into the spring period. Um, Roper is kind of interesting because he had long kind of been considered a, a Wisconsin lean, but that hasn't transpired, and he looks to be looking around at places like Alabama or Ohio State. So if if his recruitment is a little bit more open, if Kobe Bufkin looks like a guy who's gonna who would be considering Missouri, they've put in a ton of early work with Pierre Brooks and Jay Nakins. You know, you could you could have seen a situation, I think, where no guarantee they land guys, but at least they're in a good position to have had all those guys on campus as juniors, to have scouted them live during the prep season at certain points. And they could have trailed them hard and, and kind of tried to make a concerted push going through the summer. Um, you know, Tamar Bates is a guy who I think was primed for a big summer um, out on, you know, out with Casey Run GMC. Uh, and then there are even guys like maybe if they had seen Jordan Nesbitt, a guy out of St. Louis Christian Academy with Brad Beal Elite, who Missouri fans, you know, a segment, you know, have been wanting them to offer if they had, you know, seen him perform well in the EYBL, would they have gone ahead and pulled the trigger on an offer there? Um, I think there was another 2021 big they just offered this week out of Dismet Yaya Keita, who's a borderline top 150 kid. You know, could they have seen him have a really nice spring and sort of been in early on that? So it's just going to be kind of, there's a missed opportunity there to see kind of how those guys develop too. And, you know, it's, I'm really curious to see how many guys decide to commit early. Do we see a run of guys just decide, you know, I, I'm good with my offers in hand. I want to shut it down and make sure I lock in my spot. Or do guys, you know, try and maybe push this out and get a little bit into the fall and, you know, into the prep season and, you know, wait a little bit. So that that's kind of, those are the things I'm interested in. Could they have gotten some more time with Michigan dudes? Could they have scouted some other guys out of St. Louis and, you know, whether or not they would have, you know, or whether or not there's going to be kind of an early run on guys. And if there is, what does Missouri do if some key targets come off the board for somebody else? So uh, it, it'll definitely be interesting to monitor. Well, yeah, because if, uh, if a bunch of guys decide to commit and like a lot of those Michigan guys decide they want to stay in state, you know, what are the backup plans? Um, you know, like not being out on the circuit right now uh, basically means that like your plan B, your plan C type type guys um you know like you're not finding them right now you're not seeing where you know some of those next level guys you've been kind of keeping an eye on uh whether they take that next step and whether they turn themselves into an sec level player or if they kind of stay more kind of mid-major level player and i think you know even though like you and i may disagree with uh with some of the, the scouts on say a guy like 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 hargrove uh that went to slew um, I think that the the spring period, the the summer period of basketball is where you start making decisions on those guys. Uh, and right now, those decisions are basically like you're just not able to see them against live competition, so you don't really know what to do. You just kind of focus on the guys you've been focused on, and and hope you get one or two to break your way. Yeah, and you know, I I think they've done everything that we've heard and read and seen is that, you know, I think they've done good work with some guys at the top of the board, but, you know, Tamar Bates as a Kansas offer, you know, that's, that's, and Bill Self's had a 
good run lately with Kansas City prospects. You know, they, you know, if a guy, you know, like Pierre Brooks is someone that Tom Izzo really wants, you know, I think that that's, that's going to be a situation where he's going to stay home. If, you know, Jawan Morgan, not Jawan Morgan, but if Jawan Howard decides, hey, I want to you know, lock down Jade Nakins, is that, you know, one that gets taken off the board pretty quickly there? It's, you know, the they're in a position where the guys they really want are in disputed territory and, you know, they're going to have to hope that those early kind of, you know, foundations they tried to pour are pretty sturdy right now. But uh, in the meantime, I think we're, we're going to be focused mostly on when and where Turner decides to go. Cause if they land Turner, then I think there's, there's reason to be optimistic at least coming out of the off season that they've, that they filled the number one, need on the roster in the short term and you know they can kind of play out the 2021 class when things settle down a little bit and they're able to get out and watch guys again well yeah so that's it for me um i think i've we've covered everything we need to talk about right so um two weeks we got uh cj moore coming on the pod so uh, I believe CJ is doing all kinds of research in preparation for our podcast. Uh, the one where ne- we all talk about week. why we were wrong. <laughs> right. If uh, you want to hear us talk about why we were dumb five months later and why all of our preseason thoughts were com- completely disproven, make sure you download that app. That's the one you want. If you want to see yeah. us all eat humble pie, that's the episode for you. Hey, you can uh, think that you're wrong. I will uh, contend to my death that we were still within the margin of error, uh, but nobody could have predicted that Mizzou would go from shooting about 36% as a team to like 29% as a team for three-point range. Nope. And nope. Uh, if, if they do that again next year, it's going to be another long year. Uh, Missouri certainly needs to shoot the basketball better. I know that's going out on a limb. What did I um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for CJ because CJ, I think, was uh, was very much on board with us, and then proceeded to spend a lot of time watching because you know CJ covers uh, you know college basketball at Kansas City. He spends a lot of time in the Big Twelve, and so he he got to watch like, like Kansas be far and away the best team in the country, uh, and then in in truly a blessing from the heavens above, uh, the season is canceled, so we could not uh, watch. Um, Kansas either win a championship or if you're uh, a a believer in Bill Self's uh, postseason failures uh, as a Mizzou fan, uh, I guess maybe you'll you'll feel robbed of seeing uh, this uh, machine of a basketball team uh, denied in March. So either way, CJ got to watch that. It was it, it was interesting, but uh, but yeah, he'll be with us in a couple weeks. Uh, in, in the meantime, hopefully, I don't know, maybe Justin Turner commits to Missouri. Let's, uh, how about that? How about Justin Turner commits? Uh, Kobe Bufkin commits. Um, Tamar Bates commits. Tamar Bates. Uh, anyone, else you, anyone else you want on your list there? Um, what, Hunter Salas while we're at it? Hunter Salas commits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm breaking quarantine and getting a ticket and going to an actual bar, just because that'd be something that uh, would be totally out of left field for sure. Uh, 
I think the fact that we we've made it like now fifty some odd minutes and we have you know barely brought brought up the uh, you know the drinking of of quarantine. Um, I did sort of you know mention my uh, my purchase. So yeah, uh, Juniper. Um, for those that are in and around St. Louis, you can get a takeout. But I'm kind of friends with uh, the guy who runs the spot, and I I told him I'd be willing to kind of take some of the liquor that they had on the shelves off uh, their hands um, and I would I would p- compensate them for it and I overcompensated uh, with what I bought I, I bought more than I needed we'll just leave it at that yeah yeah uh, I'm gonna disclose it's your credit card <laughs> it was like are you sure you want to do this <laughs> <laughs> we could we could spread this out in payments for you if that helps uh, yeah yeah you know uh, <laughs> we just want to make sure that you were good with this decision, Mr. Snelling. Which is different than my yeah. credit card companies, which are like, hey, you, you want to take out a $35,000 personal loan, which is, no, there's nothing else other than, hey, you want $35,000, which I, seems I like get those choice. too. Like, I get those in the mail all the time, and it's just like, no, like, I don't. Because if you just want to give me the money, then I'm more than happy to take it, but, but you're, you're going to want it back, and I don't, I don't want to pay it back. Yeah, That's don't don't problem. frame this. Don't frame this as a win for me. There's, <laughs> uh, I'm just drinking uh, uh, something called uh, it's it's by a uh, there's a brewery in Fort Wayne, Indiana, called uh, Three Floyds, and they're doing uh, a collaboration called Foggy Geezer, which is like a like I can't remember, it's like hops or something out of like. Denmark and it's called Foggy Geezer. It's basically a West Coast IPA. It's really good. So there's like nine cans of that in our uh, mini fridge. So that's what I'm drinking. That's only like eleven ninety nine for a six pack though. So I'm I'm drinking on the lower in the lower uh, price bracket. Well, good for you. Uh, well, I gotta wrap this up. I actually uh, just remembered that I'm. I saw it on Twitter. You're minutes. going. Uh, go on KTRS. Yeah, go I got to do a radio spot. So more talking, yay. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back in two weeks with CJ Moore. Until then, I uh, hope you're enjoying uh, Before the Box Score as well. Download, follow on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. And we'll be back in two weeks. Until then, bye.